Beyond Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Friday, May 25th. And we've got a front office figure for the Detroit Pistons, or maybe just a front office finder. This is your boy Matt Shook, an AP writer out here in Chicago covering the NBA. Pistons fan my whole life and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for making us part of your daily routine here at Lockdown Pistons, whether you're listening on the commute, the morning grind, the gym, maybe at the desk, at the job, wherever you listen. Thanks for doing that. Spread the word about us to your friends as we roll on here with the Pistons offseason. Today we're going to be talking about teams that aren't on the offseason first. The Houston Rockets with a huge win. We'll get into that. But today is pretty much all about Ed Stefanski and really what day isn't about Ed Stefanski. When you think about it, not a guy I was really familiar with at all until his name surfaced recently for a Pistons front office position. But I'll pass along the news about how he's intertwined with the organization and maybe even running the organization down the line. And also my thoughts on Easy Ed joining the fray for Gora's Incorporated. So welcome to Detroit, Ed Stefanski. Uh, maybe he'll stay a while. We will find out soon. But for Pistons playoff playback today, we're going back to 1987. The first of two painful Memorial Day weekend memories for the Pistons. We'll save the other one for Tuesday's show. Programming note, you probably figured this already, but there will likely not be a Lockdown Pistons episode on Monday just because it's Memorial Day. and I don't expect a lot of people will be listening to podcasts that day. Now, of course, if there are more maneuvers from Easy Ed Stefanski, and I just came up with that nickname, Easy Ed, I don't know. (laughs) I just wanted to juice him up a little bit for Pistons fans who might be uh, a little bit bored with the the hire there. But um, obviously, if there's a coaching decision made over the holiday weekend, we'll jump on as soon as we possibly can and pass along a podcast, but uh, just plan on one coming Tuesday morning next for here. But like I said, uh, going back to 1987 for a Lockdown Pistons, the Pistons playoff playback as we do every day here on the show. But you should be listening to Lockdown Warriors, Lockdown Rockets, Lockdown Cavs and Celtics, and Lockdown NBA for those conference finals that have, to their credit, turned up a little bit, especially out west, well, only out west, with a couple of good games lately. Both won, surprisingly, by the Houston Rockets, as the Rockets got the win 98-94 to on Thursday night, deep in the heart of Texas. Eric Gordon, 24 points off the bench, 0 for 11 from three-point range for James Harden. And the bad news for the Rockets is that uh, the injury, an injury that Chris Paul suffered the final minute took him out of the game. Looked like he was holding on to his hamstring. Uh, we'll see about that. Um, maybe he might not even play in game six. or might be uh, out for the season. Who knows? So uh, obviously you would expect that Chris Paul, if there's any chance he'll play, he'll give it a go. But uh, could be a, a series-changing injury, just like we had a, uh, a couple games back as uh, Andre Iguodala has missed the last couple games for the, the Warriors. Nobody likes to see that. Obviously it's part of sports, but um, you want to see the teams at full strength and um, – but, you know, I'm not going to rail on this uh, series or these conference finals any more than I have. Uh, it's not nobody's fault uh, that these, these kind of thing happens, and it's too bad, and it's too bad for fans, obviously. But uh, Wolf Soldier on, 29 points in the loss for Kevin Durant, 23 for Clay Thompson, 22 for Steph Curry. Like I said, Iguodala out once again, really throwing the Warriors off as it throws, you know, Kevon Looney into a starting role. It uh, just kind of bumps everything up for a team that lacks in-depth Anyway, but the Warriors are getting challenged, and this is kind of the first 
a first for this group uh, when you talk about the group, including Kevin Durant uh, in these last two years. Hard to prepare for these types of situations when your talent just overwhelms opponents in most cases. And, um, you know, regular season games, you have some close games that go down to the wire. But when you're a championship team that gets to the NBA Finals multiple years in a row, Obviously, those are, aren't uh, getting your blood boiling and your, and your heart pumping as much as these, you know, conference finals type elimination game type situations are coming. And now they've got to dig deep. All of the stars, when you look at the four of them, you got a Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. They have all had moments in the last couple games in the final minutes or so uh, that they they'd like to forget those moments. Just some real bad uh, video footage and some things that they'll have to live with if this is the end of the road for this team in this season. Uh, coming up in these next couple games. And I got to tell you, as much as I predicted the Warriors to kind of win this series fairly easily, and obviously that will not happen regardless of what happens the rest of the way, I kind of love it, despite the fact that, you know, I'm once again being proven wrong a little bit, like most of the uh, prognosticators out there. I I feel like I'm kind of falling in line with a lot of what uh, folks have been talking about and predicting these last couple weeks. And we've gotten a couple of surprises with my biggest – you know, regret being the jumping on the Raptors bandwagon before the Cavaliers uh, series, but obviously that was more of a disrespect towards the Cavaliers, which they seem to show uh, me correct every other game, but uh, now uh, not the case as uh, we will see what they do uh, back at home in game six. But, you know, um, I just thought that the Warriors' talent would overwhelm in this series and they would have a relatively easy path against a team like Houston, who was a great regular season team, obviously, but maybe they didn't quite have the defense and maybe the stars weren't as battle-tested as you might expect. But speaking of defensively, those guys are playing with grit. They're playing uh, real tough, especially in fourth quarters. Uh, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, Clint Capella. Those are, those are just great defensive players. Uh, great building blocks when you talk about, you know – Daryl Morey in Houston, they they did all they could to, to get those top-flight superstars, and Dwight Howard wasn't quite that guy, but they wanted to get him in there. Carmelo Anthony was rumored to be going there. LeBron James's name has been linked to Houston for this summer. That was obviously the, the biggest thing that Daryl Morey wanted to accomplish was get those types of players in there. But an, uh, an unha- unheralded part of what he did was also bring some of these tough guys in there as well. And, and you know, complimentary scorer like Eric Gordon, some some outstanding building blocks. When you have those generational stars like Harden and Chris Paul are, and you need those to win, obviously, it's great to have those dirty work guys around them, and those are some of the perfect guys for those roles. This series continues Saturday night in Oakland, Game 6. Game 7 would be Monday night on Memorial Day night, so I want to keep that. Uh, might want to not be driving back from the lake too late on Monday night if because you might have a big Game 7, biggest NBA game of the year on Monday night coming up. But tonight, speaking of game six, Boston at Cleveland back in Ohio. I'm not going to talk about that damn series. We've, we've talked about it enough. But that's tonight, 8.30 ESPN Eastern time. Uh, Cleveland's seven-point favorites, so a touchdown. The Browns are seven-point favorites over the Patriots there. We will see. Uh, that'll never happen. But anyway, and also since uh, this is the last podcast of the week, I'll point out that the Pistons GT team is back in action tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday against the Celtics crossover gaming Pistons GT 2-0, and and we'll see if they can keep that going in New York City in the NBA 2K League. You can check that game out on Twitch. I believe it's the opener, the opening game of uh, Saturday's action for the NBA 2K League. But we're going to be talking about the great... Ed Stefanski, he's been on the tip of all of our tongues for many years now. 
and some of the other rumored names that are linked with the Pistons who might be coming along easy ed in the front office. But if your company wants to reach men between the ages of 18 and 44, you should be sponsoring Locked On Pistons. We are listened to by 98% men, 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if that demo sounds good to you, this is your spot. Plus, we've got reasonable rates. So go ahead, email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to find out more. A little bit later on in the show, we'll take you back for a Pistons playoff playback since we can't live in the present with the Detroit Pistons in the playoffs. We have to relive the past, but it won't be that way for long if it's up to easy Ed Stefanski, the new, the tender lover in your life, the sex machine, Ed Stefanski. I don't I don't really know. I, I He's really the, one of the most boring hires you can imagine after all the, uh, I guess, the pardon, the pun, the palace intrigue. But uh, I'm just trying to jazz him up a little bit here, get you more excited uh, here on Lockdown Pistons for a hire that makes you kind of scratch your head and say, what? It's kind of like the the old Bill Brasky skit from Saturday Night Live. And, and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with boring, but there's some more intriguing and exciting names that are also attached to Pistons these days, and we'll get into that too. But they're not really doing it for me. I'll talk about that a little bit too. But first, Ed, who a uh, little known fact, he's actually a, a 10-foot-tall beast of a man who showers in vodka, and his family crest is a barracuda eating Neil Armstrong. So some kind of little-known things about Ed Stefanski. But he's also the new senior executive reporting to to owner Tom Gorris, assisting the search for a new head coach and putting together the structure of the new front office in Detroit and looking for the new quote-unquote from the press release head of basketball operations. Stefanski has a three-year term, so obviously he'll be around during basketball decisions as well. And it sounds like he could be he could be the president of the organization and so-called, you know, quote unquote, head of basketball operations now. And the, the next person that that next head of basketball operation that might be looking for might be the quote unquote general manager. But the specific title for right now for Ed Stefanski is senior executive. Now maybe there will be you know two more uh, prominent members of the front office brought in before you get to an assistant level. But you know front office structures are a little bit different for for each team, and that's what Ed Stefanski the puzzle that he's going to try to figure out for Tom Gorys because apparently Arn Tellum couldn't do this role himself in terms of uh, running these kind of things. I, I thought you know, and I know that Tom uh, that Arn Tellum was pretty much running the business side of it, but we all kind of figured that Arn Tellum would be kind of the right hand man in this search. Um, under Tom Gorris and, and kind of pointing the direction of what the you know organizational chart needs to be for the front office and all that kind of stuff. But apparently Ed Stefanski is brought in as that. And maybe Ed Stefanski might do a little research and find out that the person in charge of the front office should be a guy named Ed Stefanski. So we will see here. I don't know. Well, why, why does it always have to be so difficult with this team? Sometimes uh, it just seems like an unusual way to kind of uh, go about business. Is now we we have we have passed the draft combine. We are less than a month away from the NBA draft. There are only two other teams right now in the NBA. They're looking for coaches: the Toronto Raptors, who fired Dwayne Casey, and the Orlando Magic. And here the Pistons are still don't have a general manager. Maybe we have a basketball uh, president of basketball operations. I don't know. Uh, who knows? So, anyway, Stefanski he was in the front office for the New Jersey Nets with Rod Thorne for a nice 10-year span that included the Jason Kidd era the Pistons fans know about so well. But then Stefanski went to Philadelphia and presided over a truly forgettable era of uh, Andre Iguodala and Elton Brand, a little bit of Andre Miller in there too, the post-Allen Iverson era. 
uh, which they aren't exactly writing a books about books about in Philly right now. And then he went to Toronto. He was among the folks that hired Dwayne Casey with Brian Colangelo over there and brought in DeMar DeRozan, but was there uh, on court for three horrific seasons before Masai Ujiri uh, came in there and has developed you know, one of the more uh, well-thought-of front offices uh, in the league after a guy like Ed Stefanski was shown the door. So not great there. And and then you, under Ujiri, they've kind of taken another step forward in terms of success, but obviously we've seen that success get tampered and, uh, and I'm sorry, hampered over these last couple of years. So kind of a stuck-in-the-mud franchise, but on a different level than our favorite stuck-in-the-mud franchise here in Detroit right now. Um, since then, he has been in Memphis for four years, where they are in a horrific situation right there. Um, you know, a, a three good years for his first three years they were there, went to the playoffs in all three of those seasons in the second round one year until the uh, Mike Conley injury this year, and they had a, obviously a, an awful season this year. And a team that's kind of stuck in the middle right now, where are they going? Probably um, will use the, the leverage of a high draft pick but towards – you know, getting pretty good hopefully next year, but certainly not a team that anyone's expecting um, will be making a giant leap in the next couple of years based on great work from the front office. And I know that they're um, another front office that's pretty high, highly thought of as well. You got guys like John Hollinger in there, Chris Wallace as well. Um, but, you know, certainly not a team that has had any results uh, to speak of over the past four years when Ed Stefanski has been there. Um, Ed Stefanski went to Wharton, another uh, funny a strange anecdote of his life, which has produced such luminaries as President Donald Trump. Uh, maybe you've heard of him, a very moronic man himself. Uh, funny that uh, just an association with Trump makes Stefanski's schooling, which which I'm sure is fine, and I'm sure Wharton is a good school. I know Wharton is a good school uh, business-wise, but it, you know, it becomes pretty much a punchline with the most famous uh, alumnus there. A great president we have there in Donald Trump uh, waving the flag for his alma mater. But Stefanski was also coached by Chuck Daly at Penn in his undergrad years where he was an, a standout for the Quakers, got drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers as well. Anyways, as with everything in the NBA, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com was first to report this news about Ed Stefanski, and his report also said that Dwayne Casey will be the focus for the, uh, the, the head coaching job for the Pistons, or one of the focuses. So obviously he's a strong candidate to become the head coach. Ed Stefanski hired him before. And uh, other names, according to Rod Beard, the Detroit News are still very much involved in the search, including Jerry Stackhouse and Becky Hammond uh, possibly being considered as well. The other interesting note from Adrian Wojnarowski was some of the names that could be that general manager or possibly president of basketball operations if the Pistons don't have one of those already. But names like Shane Battier are still involved and Brent Barry that we have heard about. And then another one that we've heard about before too, but seems to, from Woj's reporting, seems to be maybe the most highly or the most, um, you know, considered by the most right now in terms of Ed Stefanski being in this equation is Trajan Langdon. Like I said, we've talked about him a little bit on this podcast before, the former Dukey who uh, played a couple years at Cleveland, went overseas, and has been in front offices kind of ever since then. was with Cleveland and is now with the Brooklyn Nets. So he's been around. He's had some track records on some teams that were having some success while he was there. He's been in a variety of couple different positions there. So, um I don't know. I mean, Cleveland didn't obviously didn't have a whole lot of success back when he was there as a scout. And the Brooklyn Nets, the success is more theoretical than provable right now at this point in terms of what Sean Marks and that front office is putting together. 
Um, and another name that uh, he's working, that Stefanski worked with in Memphis is Tayshawn Prince. And I saw Tayshawn at the Combine last week here in Chicago, uh, and he it was there checking out the prospects just like everyone in the NBA pretty much was. Uh, Tayshawn's like kind of a, you know, kind of a low level front office person for them. You would think that if Tayshawn was brought in for the Pistons, that he would probably not be that young up and coming leader of the front office. That it seems to be what the Pistons are targeting. I don't think that Tayshawn has that uh, experience. And, you know, like I kind of alluded to on Twitter, on Thursday, uh, Tayshawn, geez, of all the guys that have been legit, you know, Tayshawn was a star for the Pistons, but obviously a beloved former Piston player. He's not one of the guys that I would put on the list as like a, oh, uh, this guy should be running the Pistons someday. He should be involved in the front office or even on the sidelines. You know, it makes sense. It makes sense that a guy like Jerry Stackhouse could be coach of the Pistons some days. He has that persona. It definitely makes sense that a guy like Chauncey Billups could be the the general manager of the Pistons some days. That makes complete sense. He's a a leader. He's someone who um, comes off very well. I, I can't remember an interview with Tayshaun Prince where I ever said, "Oh, you know that Tayshaun Prince. He uh, he's a really a, you know a, a fiery guy, a motivated." And, and not that a general manager needs to be fiery, but it's just that you would expect that a guy who's one of these up and coming minds would just have. Um, some sort of factor, an it factor in them that you would be able to tell that uh, they would be someone who you would have no problem putting in charge of uh, an organization like the Pistons. Whereas, you know, Chauncey Billups' name comes up and it makes a lot of sense because he just exudes that kind of personality, exudes that kind of capability in those ways. Tayshaun Prince just seems like kind of a, a quiet kid who was a, a nice basketball player uh, and a great basketball player at times for the Pistons. But, um, you know, and obviously he, the, the, the end of his career for the Pistons turned into that uh, mutiny on John Kuster and the buffoonery that Vince Ellis and those guys on, on Twitter talked about for ad nauseum. So I'm not a big on Tayshaun. Is, is long story short about my thoughts on Tayshaun Prince being uh, considered for a big role with the Pistons anyway. If he's a, one of the minor scouts or one of the um, you know lowest level junior assist, assistant general managers or something like that, that's totally fine. But as far as like – cover boy for the front office or whatever. I, I wouldn't say that uh, Tayshaun Prince would be that guy. Vince Ellis of the Free Press reports that Stefanski would, in his role to Pistons as of now, will be something like Jerry West of the Clippers or Jerry Colangelo of the 76ers or Doug Collins of the Bulls. So not a general manager, not a president, not really a decision maker in uh, day-to-day operations, but more of a consigliere of the the owner, kind of a maybe a, a left-hand man, so to speak. Maybe not a right-hand man, but a Someone whispering in their ears, but which is a lot of the, some of the things that the Pistons were trying to avoid, avoid, obviously, when they brought in Stan Van Gundy. We saw how that all worked out. All this stuff that we're talking about today, certainly not that exciting. I'm even lukewarm on Dwayne Casey. I know there's a lot of you out there that probably are excited about Dwayne Casey, possibly coming on board for the Pistons. But if he was so great, I mean, why was he fired? And why were his assistants allegedly, uh, why are they allegedly getting considered to replace him right now? It says something to me about the role of Nick Nurse and others in that staff in jumpstarting that team, uh, at least according to the opinion of, of uh, Ujuri, who's one of the you know most, most foremost minds and uh, leaders of the NBA right now. Really not ex- that excited about all, any of the candidates, to be honest, for any of these positions uh, in kind of a... Um, a street level view. I, I do like Shane Battier. I hope that he's involved somehow with the Pistons. But it would sound like to me, from what Vince Ellis was reporting, that uh, Battier is reluctant to uh, move up to such a job 
right now, or maybe he doesn't believe he's ready for that kind of job. And if it isn't that kind of job, would you want to move your family? He's got two kids and a wife. Would you want to move your family up from Miami to Detroit to be the number four person in an organization? I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. I know he's from uh, the, the Metro Detroit area as well, Oakland County, but um, you know, if you're Shane Battier, you probably need to think about those kind of things as well. Um, maybe this team has beaten down my expectations and excitements in some ways. I know there's many of you out there who probably feel the same way of me uh, generally when I say stuff like that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. We will see. Stay tuned. Uh, more coming, obviously, as this uh, topsy-turvy offseason continues. But today in Pistons Playoff Playback, we'll have that a little bit here. Uh, since we can't live in the present, we will relive the past. But also make sure and check out the Locked on Lions podcast with Matt Derry of Detroit Radio. Check that out every day. All the NBA podcasts, all the NFL podcasts here on the network. Check us out at LockedOnSports.com. Yeah, we got you covered here on the Locked on Network, your team every day. Not a good one today, but we got for Pistons playoff playback. We're going back to 1987, 31 years ago tomorrow. So 31 years ago Saturday, there was a steal by Bird. Would 1987 be the year the Pistons get over the hump? They recovered from a first-round loss in 1986 and had a nice regular season getting the three seed. In 1987, the Eastern Conference swept the Washington Bullets in the first round and then beat the second-seeded Hawks 4-1. to one. Dominique Wilkins and them in round two, drawing Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, which won two the first two games at the Garden in Boston, and the Pistons recovered to win the next two games at the Silverdome, including a 145-119 to thrashing in Game 4, bringing us to the all-important Game 5, which is what we've been seeing here in the current Conference Finals. Those games obviously can decide the series when all is said and done, which brings us to Pistons' playoff playback May 26th, 1987, 31 years ago Saturday, Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals back to the Boston Garden. Adrian Dantley had 25 points to lead the Stones. Pistons up one late. Celtics ball. Bird drives the lane, blows by Rick Mahorn. But Dennis Rodman comes over and makes a monster block. We were talking about Tayshaun Prince's block on Thursday's podcast. Maybe the most famous Detroit Pistons defensive play of all time. Well, there's an alternate universe where whatever happened later in this game never happens, and that Dennis Rodman blocks. Dennis Rodman's block becomes maybe the most famous uh, defensive play in Detroit Pistons basketball history, but that's forgotten about now as the ball goes all the way towards the sideline and off of a Boston player who was trying to throw it off of Rick Mahorn, but instead Detroit gets the ball, and uh, Chuck Daly's on the sideline trying to call timeout, but Isaiah Thomas picks it up, and he's at that weird angle of out of bounds. He's halfway between half court and the baseline, not really a place where you draw up a lot of slobs, the sideline out of bounds plays, a little bit of coach speak there, and nobody really made a move toward the ball. Maybe they were expecting that a timeout would be called. Not a lot of action going on by the players, and Isaiah, you know, on the long laundry list of things he did wrong on this play threw it toward his own basket at that time you know and obviously threw it way too softly because uh, he was trying to get it over the outstretched arms of Danny Ainge who was defending him on the play Larry Bird uh, makes the makes the defensive play steps in front of Bill Lambeer who by the way didn't do Isaiah Thomas any favors on this play and Dennis Johnson who was covering Dumars uh, made the quicker uh, reaction and, and quicker break towards the basket than Joe and Bird finds DJ for the layup, uh, lays it in with one seconds left. You know the Johnny Most call. I'm sure you've heard it. 
uh, all, all, many times over the years. Uh, Pistons uh, had a chance with one second left. They called a timeout after that and down one at this point. Uh, threw Adrian Danley from half court, threw it to Bill Lambeer, but the ball uh, went out of bounds and uh, no, no shot was even attempted. The game was over. Celtics to get the 3-2 series lead in the game that Detroit should have won. 108-107 to is the final. Not good times, but not scarring for me because it's a little bit before my memory. But, uh, you know, that's it. I mean, that's basketball, man. You make those mistakes. You learn from it. Unfortunately, this bad boys team was just getting started. But give us a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that, and also the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account. Give us a like on the Facebook page at Lockdown Pistons dash Matt Shook. Thanks to all of you for all your support. Give us a rating and review on iTunes if you are so inclined. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday morning with another episode and less news warrants that we get back to you guys any quicker than that. This is your host, Matt Shook, for Locked on Pistons, and have a great weekend, everyone.